Well, thank you all for coming. Um, this is Marianne and I'm Rachel. Now, the first thing to ask, I suppose, about this is such a, a loved and well-known book. Had you read it before this project came your way? Yes, I read it when it first came out. Loved it. And did you think at the time, oh, I can see this on stage, or did this come no. as a bolt from the blue? Uh, yeah, no, I never, ever thought you could see this on stage. <laughs> Um, the first I knew about this was when Simon Stevens, the adapter, rang me maybe about, oh, I don't know, two, three years ago maybe now. And he said, um, I've got this script, Marianne, will you have a read of it? And he, that's all he said, and I just thought, great, a new Simon Stevens script coming my way, brilliant. Yeah, I'll read it, yeah. And it normally takes me quite a long time to read a script. Um, but. It came in the post and I saw, oh God, it's an adaptation of the book, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time. That's, a, that's not going to work, is it? <laughs> so I thought, but you know, Simon's a good friend of mine and I owed it to him. So I, I suppose I was slightly trepidatious yes. reading it. Um, he said it wasn't a commission. He had met Mark Haddon when he was um, a writer in residence here for a time. And Mark was too. And um, they had been in the studio together. So they, I think they call themselves grumpy old men together. And um, they're very similar, actually. And <laughs> so they'd, they'd hit it off. And, and Mark had suggested to him that he give it a go, adapting the book. And I think Simon had even told Nick Heitner that he was going to give it a go. And Nick Heitner had said, no, don't. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, and so Simon, who gets a lot of commissions, he's overly commissioned, really. Um, I hope you wouldn't mind me saying that. Uh, he, he decided that he wouldn't take a commission for it. He wouldn't tr try and take it to a theatre um, and get them interested first. He decided that he would just be in a room on his own and see if he could do it. And then he sent it to me. And I read it and I absolutely adored it, mm. immediately adored it. Um, it was a while since I'd read the book, so I kind of half remembered the book, I suppose, which was a good thing. Yeah. Um, and then I, I gave it to Nick Heitner and I said, you know, it's an adaptation of a book and that's a bad idea and it's a really well-loved book and that's a really bad idea, but, you know, it's Simon Stevens and I really love to do this. And he read it and he said immediately, yeah, it's great, let's do it. Now, you, in the theatre world, there's this mysterious word workshop that people oh, yeah. like me are never quite sure what <laughs> yeah. it means. I mean, is that, how much does the, does the play change in that period when you're workshopping it to turn a noun into a verb? Um, so we spent a week workshopping, which is a terrifying <laughs> word. I still don't know what it means. It can mean different things, really. Mm. Um, in the studio, we went into the studio, again, probably about a year ago, with most of the actors that we're using uh, at, at, on this production. Um, and Stephen Hoggart and Scott Graham, the choreographers. And we spent that week without worrying about when the show was going to be done or how the hell we were going to come up with certain ideas for things that we didn't have any ideas mm. for. Unpressured week. Mm. And every day was different, I suppose. Every day we'd look at um, different parts of the story and think, well, how could we show... Uh, um, oh, my goodness, we had lots of ideas. Originally, the script... Um, in the script, it said that everything uh, 
was made out of boxes, I think. Everything was made out of boxes. Um, and uh, trains were made out of boxes as well. I remember thinking, that's not going to work. And, um, uh, lots of things were made out of boxes. And I remember saying to Simon, what do you mean by this? And he said, oh, well, you know, you could just do some Germanic thing. <laughs> so we spent a lot of time with boxes. And then we, we also spent a lot of time working out how, um, how you might stage a show like this where you know, two people are talking mm. and they have, say, five lines, mm. and then we're immediately into another scene, uh, which is a completely different location, mm. a completely different timeline, and I might be a completely different character. Yes. But uh, we can't change the set. We can't go off and no. get changed in our, into different costumes. Um, it has to be ready and, and available yes. immediately. Um, so we worked on how we might show Christopher's house, for example. Mm. I remember using lots of sort of found objects and rolls of brown paper to be the blind in his bathroom mm. and sitting Luke in a little plastic bucket like that and carrying him around, him, him doing bath acting, <laughs> water acting like that. And uh, us all being really entranced with yeah. that and thinking it would really work. And that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> uh, so it was just, it was, it was experimental to work out how the ensemble might right. be used. And I mean, I, and I don't know how many of you have read the book, but it's a, it's a voice book, really. I mean, the, the narrator's voice is, is so important. And that, um, well, it's a poison chalice. I mean, I've just watched a, a television programme where there's an, uh, an unreliable narrator, and they just had no, you could tell they didn't know what to do. Shall we have a narrator, or shall we use flashback? Or Can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, obviously, it's so dependent on the performance of whoever's playing Christopher. So mm. how did you come by Luke, who puts in the most amazing performance, I think? I mean, he's just going to win every award going, I oh, think. Oh, God, that would be nice. And um, uh, so I've worked with Luke a few times. So I think maybe this is the fourth time that I've worked with Luke. So when we first did um, War Horse in, um, in the Olivier about five, six years mm. ago now, he was the first Albert and he'd just left drama school. And actually before that, he was in St. Joan that I did um, just before War, War Horse. And he played all the servants in every scene. And, um, <laughs> and then uh, we did a short film together where he played the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Oh, and, then, and then he did the workshop. And I kind of asked him as a favour, would he do the workshop? Mm. Because he's too old, really. I yes. mean, he's late 20s and yes. the boy should be 15. Um, but I thought, you know, he's very inventive and he'll, he'll do it. Mm. And it'd be great fun in the workshop. And, and as the workshop progressed, and as it became more and more physical, and we, we started realising that describing things and explaining things uh, was going to be very physical. Mm. Uh, uh, and Luke is really good at that. Yes, he is. Um, it became more and more apparent that he would be pretty good in the role. Mm. And his age doesn't really matter, because I think once you start to believe in him, you, you stop worrying about how old ooh, how old is that actor because he's so convincing and he so inhabits the part that his age is completely irrelevant. I mean, he could be any age at all and it wouldn't matter. He's great. just he's just marvellous, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're seeing it tonight, you're in for an amazing treat. So, but in terms of the the the, the voice of the book, I mean, yeah. you had to you've you've kind of you've 
divided, divided it up, haven't you? I mean, there are lots of people. And then yeah. you've got his teacher, who's... She's mainly the narrator, isn't she? Yeah, she's main, mainly the narrator. So the device of the play, without giving it away too much to those of you who haven't seen it, is that um, the teacher, like in the book, decides it would be a good idea if Christopher were to write down his experiences of finding this dead dog. And he decides to write a book, mm -hmm. and she reads from the book. That's the first half. So she reads a lot from the book, and he reads from the book as well. Um, but then also the characters that he meets and writes about in the book come alive mm. and are uh, acted by, by, the, by the ensemble. So he meets them yes. as he goes. They sort of come up and off the page, don't they? Li literally. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're sort of hovering and then they... Yeah, the ensemble are on stage all the time. I mean, the play, I, I feel, is written a bit like a poem because mm. I think that Simon writes a lot like poetry and um, as I say you know we ha it had to be incredibly agile it w you had to imagine that you were in a street one minute mm. and then in school the next and I, I didn't want it to be realistic mm. at all I mean, Christopher said in the play at one point that he doesn't like plays and he doesn't like acting. Yes, because uh, it's just people pretending. People pretending. And that's a lie. And it's a lie. <laughs> so um, uh, I was very keen that, and I think Simon was too, that the, sh the show shouldn't seem realistic in that it's an illusion mm. of anything that, uh, you, that you have to... You know, I don't want an old-fashioned set where you were clearly in a school. Mm. Um, uh, um, but it had to be a, what Bunny Christie calls the designer, it had to be like a kind of magic mm. box. Mm. So you had to believe you were in a school and then sometimes you had to swim in Christopher's imagination. Mm. So if Christopher decides that he wants to be an astronaut and he's going to be weightless, then you as an audience have to believe that he is an astronaut and is weightless. Even if you can see how that illusion is created, mm. there's no lie to mm. it. But also, I will, and that's another reason why I felt like it should be in the round, because um, I've worked a lot in the round, and I felt that it was a truly immersive mm. way of um, putting a show on, because the audience are breathing the same air as the actors when it's in the round, um, and they can touch the actors. And it just feel, always feels to me like the most natural way to do drama mm. because if a piece of, I don't know, if something happened in the street, you know, two people arguing and other people thought it was interesting enough to watch, they would mm. gather around that event mm. um, and the central, centrifugal force mm. of, of, of the round mm. really means that you feel like you're very much part mm, of yes. the experience. And again, it's not, it's not about illusion. It's not about a lie. Um, but it meant that the act, you know, that what's challenging, I suppose, for the actors, very challenging in rehearsals, I think a lot of them found it really nerve-wracking, was that they're on stage Ooh, pretty good. much all the time. You know, they're sitting on the edge. Mm. If they need a prop, of which there'll probably only be one prop in a scene, if that, they pick it up from the side. Look, there's a, there's a, a sign here saying biscuit. So somebody picks <laughs> a biscuit up and eats it if they need it in the scene. 
There's no illusion about where the biscuit no. comes from. There's no biscuit tin. No, no it's tiring. Because it's you're, very you're, tiring. There's never a moment when you can just have a no. breather backstage. But to me, it's such a luxury because you can see an actor go from this incredibly traumatised, uh, wrangled, messed up state into the next scene, which is three years later, and they're absolutely fine. <laughs> and you can see the switch in the actor and, yeah. and I think that is very I would call luxurious to watch because yeah. in the rehearsal room of course as a director you see that all the time you see how how actors can do that so brilliantly yeah. and and truthfully you know truthfully they'll be really upset and then they go and have a cup of tea <laughs> and and uh, and I think that's just genius. I think that's magic. I think the other thing about having this um, space and be, it being in the round is that you're able to make it seem very small and then very big quite suddenly. So there are crowd scenes which suddenly make this stage, it's almost like it's doubled in size, and then it goes back to Christopher's bedroom. Or, so it's like an optical illusion, really. That's, that's really magical. Mm. Now, um, the, on the jacket of, of Mark Haddon's book, it, I think it oh, yeah. says that yeah. Christopher has Asperger's. And Mark Haddon has said, if you read in your programme, that he, he wishes that that wasn't on it because he wants it to be a bit vaguer and, and, and less diagnostic than that. Mm. And I wondered um, how much advice you'd taken, because I know you mm. have such amazing resources available to you here at this National Theatre. Did you get someone in to advise you about Luke's performance and, you know, or did you just go with your instincts? We, we, we did get a lot of advice, not, not about the performing of it. That would make me very nervous because I'd feel like I was out of control. <laughs> um, but um, we got a lot of advice about um, autism and about mm. um, Asperger's syndrome and we went to uh, various schools and we, we spoke to various consultants and we had two um, Asperger's uh, adults who did talk to us uh -huh. um, individually and, and as a group. And I thought about bringing somebody into the rehearsal process but, I, but actually I thought after a while, in a way, you know, he is Christopher, yes, and, yeah. and in lots of ways he's probably not completely accurate no. because he has too many traits on the spectrum. Mm. Mm. Um, and possibly a, a, somebody who, was, who really was on the spectrum would have less traits. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's his own individual mm. character, and Luke was creating his own individual character, and it felt like that was a very delicate... Um, embryonic growth, I mm. suppose, and uh, so, so no, I had nobody commenting on his performance, apart from maybe Mark Haddon, but who came in very late. Did he? Yeah, he was really. Did he watch rehearsals? Or uh, he came to the first day, uh -huh. cried <laughs> in a good way, <laughs> and then said he didn't want to come again. <laughs> but hopefully in a good way. And then he came, he came uh, to the first preview. Uh-huh. And what, did he say what he felt about it? Because it's a strange thing to watch your yeah, novel become... He, 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 I think he's been through quite an interesting process with this book, mm. as you can imagine, because I think it's probably the nation's favourite book. And yeah. everybody... Oh, a lot of people have read it, and a lot of people love it, and I think that's been wonderful, really wonderful for him, 
possibly quite difficult to move on from, mm. I'd have thought. And he says that, you know, he's had so many interviews about it mm. with journalists that he yeah. doesn't really know what yeah. else to say yeah. about it. It sort of died on yes. him in a way. Yes. And um, that he did say that when he came to the first day of rehearsals that um, he felt it had come alive again for him yeah. because it was out of his mm. domain, I suppose, and other people were... Yeah. Speaking. Yeah, and you see it words. with fresh eyes then, yeah. I think. I mean, as a reader, you see it with fresh eyes because it's it's the same and it's completely different. So you, you don't, you, there isn't that feeling, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Actually, in a strange way, I felt as though I didn't know what, what was going to happen, even though I, on paper I did, because there's something uh, yeah. dangerous about watching theatre that you don't, you know, have when you're reading a book. Well, I think what's really helpful is that it's not chronological, is no, it? So no. in the in the book, he jumps around timelines, and uh, the stage show does as well. So you n never really know no. what's happening next. No. You just follow his mind. If he chooses mm. to think about something else, he mm. does. He does. Yes. And it's not related yes, to the no. previous scene, is it? No. Like the um, now you said when we were just waiting to come on that you only had six weeks to rehearse this. I don't know if that's normal, <laughs> but to me, especially having seen the play, it seems like such a tiny amount of time yeah. to make to create something from well from scratch. Yeah. So now tell tell us a bit about that. Is it very long days? And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you fall into bed at ten o'clock at night and think I've got to do this all again tomorrow? How, can, <laughs> how does it work? Because it just seems miraculous to me. Um, well, six weeks is a luxury. I think most theatres don't have six weeks. Yeah, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, um, I, everybody works differently. I, I, I suppose I go into rehearsals very prepared. Um, I know what I want to get out of the day. Um, as I was saying to you before we came on, me and Bunny designed it over a long period of time, um, developed it very, very slowly. Then we looked at models for a long time with, with little model figures. And then we did a storyboard where we took a photograph of the model with the little model figures for every scene. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we'd worked out a lot in the workshop. Right. And um, yeah, pretty much very, very structured days. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have, I mean, so in terms of six weeks, do you have, mm. is there a point, like, let's say after two weeks where you think, this is never going to work, I'm in a panic, <laughs> and then after three weeks you think, oh, it's going to be brilliant, and then you, after four weeks you think, oh, no, I was wrong, it's not, I mean, how, how you know, yeah. do you have a sort of up and down? I think every day up until the press night you think this is never going to work. Mm. <laughs> I think you do, I think you do. I, I mean, again, everybody's different, aren't they? I'm sure lots of directors don't think like that. I, I do. It's very unhealthy. It's not good for me at all. <laughs> but I, I, I do. I live in a permanent state of, oh my God, it's awful. It's going to be awful. And then the day is about lying really well. Yes. So when you. Yes. <laughs> because they're all looking to yeah, you for yeah, confidence, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you have to have a sort of poker it's all great. face. That's yeah. really good. That's, yeah. that's really good. <laughs> when, when I interviewed um, Jamie Lloyd, I asked this. I asked him this question. I mean, who does the who directs the director? Who do you go to when you're, like you say, everyone's relying on you? So who do you go and say, oh, I don't, what do you think about this? Is there someone you have to? Oh, that's such a lovely question to ask. <laughs> Nobody would ask it that question. It seems so lonely to me. It is very lonely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, usually it's the designer, I would say. Right. Um, so usually I'm in the rehearsal room trying to galvanise 
the troops and the designer is usually outside of the rehearsal room in the workshop, you know, the, all the workshops are here at the National Theatre where they build and they make things, trying to galvanise his mm. or her troops mm. and we'll sort of come together at the end of the day or at the end of the week to, you know, what do you say it, uh, you know, talk about how yes, it's yes, going. Yes. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing is my husband is really, really good, so I can come home every day and scream and shout and then look very uh, posed the next day. <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't do that on this because he's in the show. Oh, is he? Yeah, so I had to lie a lot at home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, I, I had no idea. I that know, must have been... Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of childcare issues. <laughs> um, but, 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 um, but to be truthful, actually, I, I, I um, really thoroughly enjoyed this process. Yes, yeah. I really did. I, I have, in the last couple of years, not really so much enjoyed the process because I it's everything to me you know it means so bloody much mm, it's sort mm. of it's almost too much like mm. I say it is I do think it is unhealthy yeah <laughs> um but I'm sure anybody who's who tries to be creative uh, probably feels the same way but I have loved it I've, yeah. I've loved it I've loved the process I love the script I really like the play the book um the actors a lot of the actors I've worked with before so I've got a relationship mm, with mm. um Working with choreographers is really mm. um, illuminating and make, makes you feel like you're working with a cohort in the room because they're, they're developing stuff and trying things mm. out as much as you are. Mm. Um, and uh, we went into the rehearsals very prepared, like I say, but um, a lot of things came out of the rehearsal room as well, which you'll, you'll see in the show, which maybe I shouldn't tell you about but anyway there are lots of ideas mm. in the show that the actors would have just come up with during rehearsals one day and we'd go oh yeah that's a good idea let's do that there are lots of little surprises like you because you're all looking at this this you know empty space but it, and that what, what's really amazing is there are lots of little surprises almost every 10-15 minutes is a little thing and the audience kind of sighs with the pleasure of the in, ingenuity of it it's amazing. Um, now, and when it comes on, um, building up far too much. We're all going to hate it. <laughs> yes, I know. When it when it when it comes on, um, I know that you, it, to a degree you have to let go because you're thinking about what you're going to do next. But you also come in, don't you, and check that actors are not starting to get carried away. You know, if they get a laugh on a the line, they don't try and join the run. Y yes, yes. yes. So it, I mean, how often do you come in, and how many times have you seen it since it opened? I think I've seen it. Once since it's opened, oh, yeah. Once not since so, the press so not night. that much. No, but it's only been open about two and a half mm. weeks, hasn't it? How yeah. many? I mean, how will you do some tweaking or not? Yeah, I would like to. I mean, the, the, the thing is that the show's a very, very physical show, mm. and it might not seem it when you when you watch it, but it's very demanding physically on the actors. Um, so I'm aware that they are at their physical wits end. Probably, mm. I would love to come in and do. Some tweaking. <laughs> they won't let you for it. <laughs> what are you going to do next? Do you do you want to do? I mean, I don't know. All directors are different from one another, but do you always look for something completely different for your next project? Just tell us what you're going to do next and how, how it will mm. show up compared to this. 
Oh, yeah, I do always look for something completely different. Uh, I don't know why that should be. I suppose because I suppose doing a show is, uh, uh, as I've said before, it's a bit like um, giving birth with uh, um, all that pain and agony. And after it, you'd like to just shut it out. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so I like to do something very, very different. Yeah, um, uh, the next show I'm doing is a Simon Stevens play, though. And it's a, it's a play called Port, which I did, I have done before, about 10 years ago in Manchester at the Royal Exchange. And it's a very, very personal piece to me, um, personal piece to him. It's about a young girl growing up in, in Stockport, which is where I was brought up. And um, it, uh, she has very different circumstances to me, but she, but she sort of uh, finds her own feet, I suppose, and, and she finds her voice and she, works out who she is, and she's incredibly brave in a way that I wish I had been. Mm. So it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. I'm doing that in the Littleton in uh, the autumn. And then I'm going to do a Tennessee Williams play, which I'm really excited about, because I've always <laughs> wanted to do Tennessee Williams, uh, A Sweet Bird of Youth at the Old Vic next right. year. And are you very, very booked up? Because you... I mean, I, we have to just briefly mention Warhorse, because it just carries on. <laughs> um, you must be so proud that you have this, you know, tremendous, I mean, it's not, it's, it's sort of gone beyond, beyond being a hit. It's sort of like an institution almost. You must be tremendously proud of it. And has it, I don't know, has it sort of cha changed anything for you? Um, I've got a really nice garden out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I don't know if it has changed anything for me personally, but I think I am hugely mm. proud of it um, because it was um, um, it was really hard work. It was really, really hard work, and it continues to be so. Um, and there was a massive creative team on that show, mm. um, and it felt like at times there were like there were hundreds of us just on the creative team side, not the actors. Um, and uh, we were all wrangling and arguing a lot of the time uh, and working out how to tell this amazing story. And together we produced something which I truly believe is beyond what any one of us could have mm. done. It's a shared, definitely mm. a shared um, being. And that is an extraordinary experience to be part mm. of that, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you all for coming, and especially thanks to Marianne. Thank you. Thank you.